nest egg for the future. He planned to live in Haven someday and knew that there were costs associated with that lifestyle, even with there being no mortgage. Kennard also talked with his brother Brad about making plans to come to Haven should disaster strike, but he said he didn't think he could deal with the rural life. Everything that Kent and his parents did in their lives was intended to honor God. They were meticulously honest in all of their business dealings. They were all active in the churches they attended. Above all else, Kent wanted there to be no question that he and his family served the Lord. Consequently, he had become disillusioned with how so many in business operated and with actions being taken by Congress. Some states in the country were on the brink of bankruptcy. The federal government takeover of ever-increasing portions of the economy would ultimately lead the nation to the same end. The elected representatives seemed motivated by power rather than the good of the people. On the other hand, Kent sought to deal fairly with everyone he came in contact with, whether they were subordinates, suppliers, or customers. Integrity and faithfulness to God was what motivated Kent. When the banks had been taken over by the federal government, everyone wanted their money out and they wanted it out now. Lines had formed and things had gotten ugly fast around the country. People frantically went from bank to bank and from ATM to ATM trying to retrieve what cash they could lay their hands on. The National Guard had been cut out in many states to restore order. People had become desperate. Thefts of ATM machines became common. Holdups of any business that had cash were increasing daily. When the banks had closed, businesses would only take cash as payment. They would no longer take credit cards, debit cards, or checks. Employee paychecks that were direct deposit were still being deposited, but employees didn't have access to the money and started demanding cash payment from their employers. There was violence and rioting, particularly in the larger cities. Many businesses had to close their doors. Martial law had been declared in California and New York. The rest of the country was expected to follow the same course soon. It was obvious to Kent that if the banking system didn't get propped up quickly that he would be out of business. That evening, Kent sat down to watch the news to see if there had been any improvement in conditions around the nation. As much as he tried not to, Kent couldn't help but be irritated when he saw Senator Bailey Beauregard Bates giving a press conference. The senator was an intimidating man. He stood about six foot two and had a portly stature. He wore expensive clothing and was always accompanied by an entourage of aides and security people giving him a heightened feeling of self-worth. Kent and Barb couldn't imagine how B.B. could say the things he did with a straight face. It was even harder to think that he could actually believe the things he was saying. They were so outlandish. Tonight he said that the spending recently approved by Congress would bring prosperity to North Carolina. Kent didn't see it that way. He couldn't see how borrowing to spend on short-term projects could help the long-term well-being of the state and its people. Any gains to be derived in the short term would be more than made up for the massive debt that would be passed on to future generations. Kent considered it ear candy for the masses. It was what B.B. thought would make an adequate number of people satisfied enough to re-elect him back into office. So far it had been working. B.B. Bates and Kent had attended the same high school. They both graduated the same year and they both joined the army at the same time. Though they had not been close friends, they had at least been familiar faces as they went through their military training and at their first duty station. Kent had entered the army, planning on making it a career. He was proud to serve and proud to wear the uniform every day. B.B., on the other hand, had only sought the educational benefits that a tour in the army would offer him. It was also evident that B.B. only strived to achieve acceptable minimum standards. Kent would always do his best, no matter how menial the task. Kent had little respect for B.B. in school and had little respect for B.B.'s service both in the military and now in the United States Senate. Presently, B.B. was a senior member of the Senate and known for being able to make things happen when there seemed to be no hope. 
His latest folly resulted from his actions as chairman of the Senate's Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Legislation had been passed which resulted in the federal takeover of the banks, which directly led to the economic collapse the country was now experiencing. As far as Kent was concerned, it didn't take a degree in economics to see the policy era that had led the nation to the brink of ruin. It was madness, no matter what spin he put on it. Kent couldn't begin to explain how those in power really thought that these measures were going to help the country. Kent began to wonder if their purpose was somehow sinister. Perhaps they wanted to actually bring about the complete collapse of the nation. But why, he wondered. Kent's most recent success as a contractor working on substantial government contracts had brought Kent to Beebe's attention. Beebe remembered Kent from high school and the time he had spent with him in the army. Beebe thought that Kent was too much of a choir boy for his tastes. Kent's firm was now winning lucrative government contracts for building most of the new infrastructure at Fort Bragg. Despite being a respected fixture in Congress, Beebe resented the success.